Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. My name is Sarah Seibert and I'm the host for today's episode. The vision for strategy at the Department of Veterans Affairs is putting veterans and their needs at the center of all of the agency's efforts. This includes major initiatives in IT modernization and those surrounding the workforce. This also means major impacts for diversity, equity, inclusion, and access, and more. Here to talk more about this effort is newly confirmed Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary Dwayne Beard. With nearly 30 years of experience at VA, Beard talks about his journey to the agency and where he looks to continue the progress VA has made under new leadership. So today on the show, we're joined by Dwayne Beard, Acting Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary at VA. Welcome and thank you for coming on. Thank you. And I'm no longer acting. I was permanently selected on May 8th. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've been with VA for nearly 30 years. What brought you to the agency? Well, my story is an obvious and humble one for anyone who's been in graduate school. I ran out of grant money and I needed to eat. So I I had a background in public health and I was a really fast typist. So I opened the free paper, The Reader in Chicago and looked for the funnest temporary agency ad there was in 1995. And that agency placed me with the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, for six months. Uh, And I worked in the executive office as a secretary, uh, typing correspondence on an IBM Selectric typewriter Uh, And I really fell in love with the mission of the VA. It was a surprise. I never knew anything about the VA. I'd never been there. Uh, Even though my family has a military background, just hadn't thought about it at all. I was on track to become a college English professor. And the VA suddenly was an option. And because I had a master's degree, they hired me in. And I was making more money right off the bat than my friends who were PhD candidates that were getting work at local universities. And ever since then, the VA has kept promoting me until I'm now in in this really cool chair. Wow, yeah, that's a great story. In another world, you could have been one of my professors. (laughs) Exactly. So before your current position, you served as the executive director of end user operations. What have been some of the initiatives you've been focused on during that time? Yeah, so end user operations is the part of VA's IT organization that delivers endpoint technologies to folks that service veterans. So computers, printers, cell phones, desk phones, all of the things that you feel and touch every day. Uh, And I came up through the ranks in that organization. So I knew what, I just know what the workforce does. Uh, They're really focused very single-mindedly on making sure that everybody who's serving veterans has the technology they need to do that work. And when I became the leader of the organization, I knew how busy they were and what great work they were doing. So I really wanted to honor that culture and that capability. So we started off by doing an actual exercise to establish our mission, our vision, and what we called our operational values. So our mission to fix broken things, uh, 
our vision to become uh, the sought after experts in endpoint technology solutions. And then with those two things in mind, operationally, we just commit to fix things as soon as they're broken, make sure anyone who's coming on board has great technology, uh, that we open new spaces on time, we answer the phone with a how can I help you, uh, and then we solve for yes. We look and understand the business and try to solve for yes. So starting there, just making that experience visible, writing it down, evangelizing it so that the team understands what they're doing, why they're there, and they can feel really proud and focused on that. That's where we started. And then the next, and I'm very proud of that. That was an amazing accomplishment for any workforce to really understand why they why they come to work every day and what they should be doing with their time. That was hugely focusing for the team. And then I looked at where the leadership team, about 40 of the most senior leaders in the organization, we had an organization of about 3,700. So about 40 of the most senior leaders. I noticed that, and I had been guilty of this as well, that those leaders were really focused on daily activities down in the weeds, putting out fires, processing tickets, and they didn't have a great skill set at standing up on the balcony and looking at the overall flow of work through the organization. So really good at activities and getting things done on time, but not really focused on the overall flow. So I really spent three years working with them on that and instilling a culture of continuous process improvement. And that changed the culture so that they built into their day as leaders, thinking about where are our biggest problems? What can we do next to improve the overall system, the overall flow? And that really showed in our customer satisfaction scores. So we went from, when I started, uh, one of the ways to score customer satisfaction is known as the net promoter score. And that has a scale of minus 100 to plus 100. We started off with a plus five. Uh, and over those three, four years where I was in that leadership position, we went to a plus 40, which is really comparable with some of the best in the industry. So I'm very, very proud of that. And we've maintained that. And that organization's been great at succession planning as I've stepped away to this role uh, great folks have filled those gaps and continue to do continuous improvement because, you know, it's like going uh, up a down escalator. If you don't keep moving, uh, you, you fall back and your your ability to lead suffers. So that team has been doing great. I'm really proud of what they've learned, our, the coaching program, the mentorship programs they've got, uh, and how they really have shifted to continuous improvement versus just give me a ticket and I'll do the job. So it's, I'm just really proud. The workforce is tremendous. I know having that connection and understanding really drives passion and change. Uh, so what are some of the biggest priorities around the workforce right now? And what do those mean to you? For me, I have three priorities for the workforce. Uh, first is developing the position descriptions for a really great staff. Second is training programs. And the last is organizational charts. All of those work together to form an ecosystem that really supports staff engagement, clear career pathing, and engagement with the staff. 
So if you can come into a place and see a path of advancement for you over your career, that's really exciting. And what we're trying to do is ensure that folks don't have to become a supervisor to become higher graded or progress in their career. Traditionally in government and in VA IT, you've really had to become a supervisor to move up to the GS 13, 14, 15 ranks. And we're working with our new CIO, Kurt Delbene, on individual contributor position descriptions that really reward folks that are technically amazing. Uh, so we can reward them for their skills and their talents and their contributions at those higher grades without having to have them supervise people. Because as I have certainly experienced, really great technicians are not always the best supervisory material. And I've moved back and forth in my career from supervision to non-supervisory. I think that's a great path for people to move laterally and up and around. I've moved back and forth from VHA doing healthcare work back into IT in my career. That flexibility and pathing makes for a, a much better leader, a much better technician, an engineer. If you really understand what's going on in the business, you can design better solutions and more efficiently. So it's really, for me, building that infrastructure so that any new person who comes out of a trade school or out of the military and joins us in our IT department can really see a future that excites them and that we have the training and development programs to help them explore their talents, their interests, and climb the ladder inside of VA uh, for an entire career, just like I have. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I look forward to seeing how you uh, progress on that path. So how is President Biden's executive order on DEI&A playing out in VA? And how does this impact uh, VA's private partnerships? Well, I, I'm super excited about the presidential executive order. And we're doing so much, it's really hard to pick. So some of the work we're doing is really obvious to external partners, and some of it's a little bit more subtle and really more impacts those of us inside the organization and the workforce. So diversity, you can certainly see this by the starting from the top down, the VA secretary on down, going out and actually listening to folks, doing uh, site visits, town halls, and then even in internal meetings that I've been at with the secretary as an executive, there's a very mindful approach to listening to everybody, ensuring that every voice is heard. So that commitment to diversity across all the dimensions uh, is clearly there in how the secretary approaches leading our organization. And that trickles down. It's also made very explicit in the set of expectations given to us as leaders. It's in our performance standards and it's in the programs that we administer to our workforce. So it's really important to us. It's the see something, say something. So we really have a culture that encourages folks if they see something that makes the workplace less safe or, or less inclusive, that they're to raise their hand, even if they need to file a complaint to get our attention an area like that. We welcome that kind of engagement from the workforce. It's how we get better. It's how we see what's going on and we're able to take action. So that's really been powerful and a great tone shift and emphasis in the organization. I think for me personally, it's inclusivity 
internally that's made the most difference. And I know that we're working on externally with our veteran population as well. And a big place for inclusivity is that visibility that says, hey, you're welcome here and we care and we will be sensitive to your differences. One way we're making that very visible is around the LGBTQ plus um, constituency. Internally in VA, we're the first governmental agency that allows our users, our individual staff members to safely request that their pronouns be added to their display name inside of our systems. So whenever I'm on a Teams meeting or send an email, my preferred pronouns appear. And about 20,000 of our workforce have already taken advantage of this option. And it shows up in meetings all the time, especially when leaders like myself have those preferred pronouns after our name. It just makes it so much safer for the staff uh, to show their true selves and bring their whole experience into the room. And we become so much better as an organization when we do that. We're also attempting to do that with our veterans. Through our VA profile, we are working to allow veterans to indicate their preferred pronouns, their gender identity, uh, their preferred name. So if someone's transitioning, they can choose to use their preferred name and not their dead name. And we're working to get that information available to all of our call centers as well, because we know just how important it is to treat folks with respect from the moment they come in across all of our administrations. So I'm not sure we're there yet, but it's I know on the IT side, it's part of the system design changes that we're making. Um, we're also making changes around how we report sexual harassment and sexual assault. So there's a common database, very visible, tracking of that so that we can address issues, see where there are issues um, and be much more proactive. Currently, we've got a bunch of different systems that track it differently, depending on whether you're a veteran, a family member, a contractor, an employee, and the nature of the harassment or assault that occurs. That makes it very hard for leadership to have visibility and understand. So we're focusing on that as well to make it a safer, more inclusive workforce. So that's all really amazing. <sighs> And then I can take a breath and talk about accessibility. Our commitment to 508 compliance, both in our external websites and our applications, um, our top 100 websites, almost all of them are 508 compliant, uh, the 100 most visited of our websites. We have a bit to go on a few of them. And then our reasonable accommodations process. So if you're differently abled and you wanna come work for the VA, we have a very robust program of securing technology and other adaptive equipment so that you can be productive and do your work here in the VA. Any sort of ability levels are welcomed here. Uh, so lots of people bring talents to us. The more talent we have from a more diverse group, the more effective we are. And that's super important and powerful for me. I'm, I'm always uh, very amazed when I tour sites that have a lot of adaptions uh, whether it's air filters, lighting, um, ergonomic setups. I myself have a sit-to-stand desk, um, screen readers or screen magnifiers for the visually impaired, trackballs and other things for folks that have mobility impairments. We're really committed to getting that equipment to folks timely. And we're also aware that folks' ability levels can change throughout their career as we age or we experience illness. So VA is a very warm and friendly place for folks as we seek to keep people in the workforce, doing work for veterans, 
and for the VA as long as they possibly can as their ability levels change. So all of the parts of the president's order are part of what we work on. So I'm, again, very proud to work in the VA for everything that we do there. That's really exciting. And I'm sure having that diversity of thought is just continues to enrich your cultures. Oh, I look forward to seeing how that continues. Uh, could you explain your vision for a strategy and how is this approach more conducive to developing solutions that meet VA's mission and veteran needs? Yeah, it's a, vision first is very powerful. Uh, I think the general public may be more familiar with it from Simon Sinek's work on start with why, you know, his TED talk, and, and he's really been an evangelist for start with why. Um, it really makes sense for folks to have a reason for moving in a direction. Otherwise, it can just be random activity, or we're doing something because we've always done it, and we've lost the why, and the why may have evolved. Someone may have moved our cheese. The, the uh, goals and objectives for the organization may have changed over time. But if we're still doing what we've always done, we can then be wasting resources and energy and not moving the organization forward as powerfully as we can. So beginning with a vision where you say, what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? What are we trying to become? In our case, as we look at the veteran's journey, through their experiences with VA, we look at these moments that matter and say, how is that experience for the veteran? And then by putting the veteran and their experience first, it helps us prioritize where we're gonna do software development, system improvement. Um, if a system goes down a lot, crashes, it's not accessible. We then prioritize that work because we wanna make it a delightful experience for veterans on par with anything they might have with Amazon um, or Zappos. We really want it to be a great experience for them. And we know interfacing with the government generally is not viewed as a positive experience. So we really are using that vision to drive our investments. And we're partnering with all the administrations to make sure that we in IT understand their vision for that veteran experience for them, whether it's in the benefits space, the Board of Veterans Appeals, the National Cemetery, or in our various healthcare environments, whether it's telehealth provisioning, on-prem um, substance abuse or homeless programs, we're always looking for ways to make the technology make the experience easier and more exciting for the veterans. Important thing to know about starting with a vision though is it allows you to say no to things and say, mm, I'm not going to do that. That is not going to take us. It may be great. It's a great idea. It's amazing. But we don't have infinite resources. We don't have infinite time. And that's not going to move us quickly in the direction of that vision. So we're going to say no to it. And that can be hard, um, especially when you say no to something that people care passionately about. And yes, it could be a great idea, but it's just not in our priority list, something that's going to get us closer to that vision quicker. Um, so starting with a vision and doing that vision-driven execution and product roadmaps and service roadmaps, and again, keeping the veteran and the veteran's experience at the center of that really has allowed us to focus and say no to things and really prioritize. And that just speeds delivery. It speeds the improvement in the veteran experience. It allows us to talk to 
um, the president and the Congress and say, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited by that. I've always found that very clarifying for me as a leader to begin with why. It's one of those things I mentioned earlier that I brought to my role in end user operations is standing back and saying, where are we going? Is what I'm doing today aligned with that goal? And if it's not, can I reduce that? Can I cancel those meetings? Can I delegate those things? Do we need to even do them anymore? I mean, that's those are some of the hardest decisions that anybody, whether they're an individual contributor or a leader or supervisor, how do you manage your time? How do you say no to things? And what do you choose to say yes to and put your best effort and your time around? You have to start with a vision. Otherwise, you'll make a decision in one direction today and a different direction tomorrow, and the net will be no particular forward motion. It's sort of cancel each other out. Yeah, that sounds like a great model. I've heard a few leaders talk about taking a step back and looking at the outcome. What does that solution do for the user? And then going back to the development stage to really align those priorities. Uh, so throughout the episode, you've outlined all of the great initiatives that are happening at VA. Where is VA looking to industry to support the agency's mission? Well, in the technology space, change happens every day, like every hour. So one of the things we look to for industry, our industry partners, as well as other government agencies, is what can we learn from what you're doing? What can you show us? We love to get out and visit folks and see how they're applying technology to solve real world problems, and then try to see how would we use that inside VA to solve the problems we face. Many of the problems are similar, if not identical, and industry can teach us a lot. So having industry days, bringing the vendor partners in, going out to visit them. If they're a supplier, we do vendor days, uh, product bake-offs. We do requests for information and proposal from industry all the time. We're always listening to the vendor community as they tell us about their new products and services. And we try to figure out where they fit in our ecosystem. We're always grooming our existing technology products to see, are they still a good fit? Is there something better, more efficient? So we're always looking to industry to partner with us very robustly so that we can be smart and really apply technology well to the solutions that serve veterans. It's, it's just an amazing and never ending bit of work. We have an entire organization inside of OINT, our, our Office of Strategic Sourcing, that is constantly combing the vendor ecosystem uh, to see what opportunities there are and comparing that with the products and services in our pipeline. So it's, it's, a, it's an exhausting and exciting, always on partnership with the industry. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. And I'm sure that collaboration will lead to more well-rounded solutions. So moving forward, what are some of your top priorities and how will you help meet the new CIO's goals? The good thing is the CIO's goals are obvious and clear. He's articulated his vision first when he came in. And that uh, vision has informed everything we've been doing. So simplifying and focusing, building engineering excellence, um, aligning our resources, our security around that vision-driven execution, putting people first. These are all 
key parts of Kurt's vision. They inform everything that I do. For me personally, uh, my personal journey is to build coalitions and networks inside of VA, inside of government, and across industry so that I can really take effective action toward the CIO's goals, towards the goals of the secretary and the deputy secretary. I take very seriously my commitment to serve veterans. I came of age during a time in the 1980s when there weren't obvious conflicts before the 9-11 era, um, but I choose to serve veterans and my country here inside of VA, and I have for 27 years. I really am excited to be in this position in the organization today so that I can use all that knowledge from those 27 years and my skills working with people and technology experts to move that agenda forward and to make veterans and their families experience with VA really, really consistent and exceptional. I Every time I'm in DC, which is a couple of weeks a month these days, I always walk to the Lincoln Memorial. I take a walk from where we are in on Vermont Avenue in the evenings down to the Lincoln Memorial. And if you've never been, it's really worth a shot to go there and turn to the right and read the second inaugural address. It's engraved on the wall. That inaugural address always serves to ground me in the importance of our work as government servants and then also in the VA's mission, because the last paragraph of that second inaugural, Lincoln says, to care for him who has borne the battle, his widow and his orphan, which creates the essence of the Department of Veterans Affairs. So that entire context, that entire walk, mindfully grounds me in our mission um, and helps me come back to work every single day, uh, more committed to taking those actions that are gonna move us forward. Yeah, that is great to hear. And VA's mission is one of the strongest I've seen in any federal agency. So thank you for all the work that you've been doing. Uh, I've learned so much just in the past 30 minutes alone, and I feel like we could go on for another 30, but I won't tie up your day. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been great talking to you today. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 